Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This current series of messages is on the book of Acts, showing its relevance for today as a pattern book for the operation of the Holy Spirit through the church. Be sure also to get a copy of Kevin's commentary on the book of Acts. Visit kevinconnor.org for details. Acts chapter 2, and I just want to read verses 1 through to 4, and then I'd like you to turn over to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and chapter 14. Now, as we look at this session tonight, well, I want to sort of answer some questions that I've uh, asked over the uh, various times, and uh, uh, several people ask, so I hope that uh, it'll answer a, a number of questions for you tonight on this area. All right, Acts chapter 2 and verses 1 through to 4. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Not from hell, it's a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. First Corinthians chapter 12 and uh, just for time's sake I'd just like to read uh, several verses from this chapter and then a little bit from chapter 14 and we'll try and answer some questions in the course of our session here. All right, First Corinthians chapter 12 and uh, verse 7 through to 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all for the one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another uh, various or divers or different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these work at that one and the self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Now let's go down to verse... Uh, 28 of the same chapter 1 Corinthians 12 verse 28 and God has set some in the church first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments uh, diversities or different kinds of tongues and then Paul asks some questions he are all apostles and I'm not a Greek, uh, Greek expert, but the answer, the way the Greek uh, ending of words are, is in the negative. Are all apostles? The answer is no. Are all prophets? The answer is no. Are all teachers? The answer is no. Are all workers of miracles? Uh, the Greek uh, ending of uh, words are in the negative. No. And have all the gifts of healing? The answer is no. Do all speak with tongues? In this case, the answer is no. Do all interpret? So we have tongues interpretation, the answer is no. We'll, uh, that's what we want to look at. But covered earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Then go over to chapter 14, and uh, just a couple of verses here. Uh, we'll pick up in verse 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray uh, with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Then in verse uh, 21, he says, <clears throat> In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, saith the Lord. 
Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them which that believe not, for, but for them which believe. How many uh, have read those scriptures over the years and uh, sort of, instead of answering questions, they've raised questions? I ask you a question. Okay, when I ask you a question, answer me. Thank you, okay? All right, everybody said amen. You should be used to me by now. Okay, so some of the questions we want to look at tonight is uh, what about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Uh, should everybody speak with tongues when they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is the uh, initial biblical evidence of speaking in tongues? And uh, some of those, the school and those churches who do not follow this, they say, well, Paul said, do all speak with tongues? And the Greek uh, ending of the whole thing is, the answer is no. Do all interpret? The answer is no. All right, so what do we do with that? And then Paul says, I would that you all spoke with tongues and uh, so forth. So, you know, we have a whole divided Christendom over this matter of speaking in tongues. Is it the evidence of uh, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Should everybody speak in tongues or is it optional uh, or what? There's some of the things we want to look at tonight. All right, now... Uh, I just want to pick up here so you can go back to Acts uh, chapter 2 and verses 1 through to 4 for a moment here. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through to 4. Now in our session last week we uh, spent uh, the time on what happened between the 10 days when Jesus bodily ascended to heaven and then uh, when he went to the Father's throne. So we uh, just uh, had a little bit of alliteration there almost. That, uh, number one, we have the entrance of Jesus to the heavenly sanctuary. Uh, number two, uh, we have the enthronement of Jesus at the Father's right hand. And then number three, uh, we have the exaltation, Jesus receiving the exalted, uh, exalted name, and he was made the Lord Jesus Christ. And then number four, we have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what we see in Acts chapter uh, 2, uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the original 120. And there were certain things that uh, were fulfilled here that I just want to touch on briefly and then move into the uh, third one there. Uh, as we've been seeing with Jesus, that when Jesus died on the cross and uh, his death, burial and resurrection, ascension to heaven, we find that Jesus fulfills so many things, so many things in the Old Testament, like the animal sacrifices, the priesthood, uh, the tabernacle, the temple, uh, the fe uh, festival occasions of the Lord, all these things that were broken up in so many parts in the nation of Israel, they were all brought together and fulfilled in the one person, Christ. How many can say amen to that? So though they were broken over so many areas and that uh, when Jesus Christ came, everything pointed to him. All were fulfilled in the one person in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the same is true of the church. There were many things in the Old Testament that were prophesied concerning the church and they were broken up over various occasions. But once the church was born on the day of Pentecost, uh, all these things were fulfilled uh, in, in, uh, in the church on the day of Pentecost, the birth of the church. And most uh, denominations accept that Pentecost was the birthday of the church, not Passover, but Pentecost. And so... Uh, uh, there are uh, several particular signs that I want you to pick up here. Uh, first of all, we have the mighty rushing wind. Mighty rushing wind. Uh, when the Holy Spirit was outpoured, uh, came as the mighty rushing wind. So we have the sign of wind. And then number two, the second sign we have, we have cloven tongues, like as a fire. 
and you'll listen to the language there, cloven tongues. Uh, I think of the Old Testament sign about an unclean or clean animals. Clean animals were those animals that had a cloven hoof and chewed the cud. So cloven tongues like a fire, as a fire, and so we have wind and fire. And then the third sign is where they began to speak with other tongues, so speaking with other languages, speaking with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, the significant thing is we're going to see tonight, the wind and the fire were never ever repeated again in the book of Acts. Now, there have been occasions through church history uh, where the wind has been heard, fire has been heard. I was in India a number of years ago, not just this last visit, but uh, a number of years ago uh, in uh, uh, Pandidu Ramabai Maktai Mission, I think it was called. And uh, as the girls were seeking the Lord and praying day after day, the Holy Spirit was outpoured and uh, the, the tongues of fire were sitting on the head of these uh, uh, girls in India and some of the students got so frightened they rushed outside and got a bucket of water because they thought they were on fire uh, and they were on fire but it was the fire of the Holy Spirit so there has been times through church history when uh, people have heard a sound of a rushing mighty wind and fire has been seen but generally speaking it's not but in the book of Acts there the initial Pentecost had the wind and the fire uh, these signs were never repeated again in the book of Acts history but the speaking in tongues was so, uh, so that's a very significant thing alright so wind in, uh, with these, these things we think of Moses and Elijah on Mount Sinai there is the, the wind and the fire and then the voice God speaking in the Hebrew tongue at Mount Horeb, uh, with Elijah, there was the, uh, the, the wind. There was a mighty wind, but God was not in the wind. Then there was the fire. God was not in the fire. All manifestations of God's presence. Uh, but after that, there was the still, small voice. So we have like, for Moses, wind, fire, and the Hebrew tongue, God speaking. We have for Elijah, wind, fire, and God speaking, still, small voice. Now in the New Testament church, we see the rushing mighty wind, cloven tongues like a fire, and, uh, and then the speaking in tongues. So tongues of fire in them, and then the speaking tongues, supernatural utterance there. Now, one of the, uh, or a number of the things that were fulfilled in these signs here, at least particularly in the fire, this is what I see happening back here. Perhaps uh, if we sort of put it uh, uh, this way here, the, reminding ourselves, that's supposed to be straight, uh, the tabernacle of the Lord and the articles of furniture here. Uh, all these things point first of all to Christ and then of course they point to the church. So when the tabernacle of Moses, as we've heard it was dedicated, and also when the Temple of Solomon was dedicated, one of the, the amazing things was particularly this sign first of all, the sign of fire. So uh, the, the fire came from Mount Sinai and consumed the sacrifice. So the first thing is supernatural fire uh, coming off Mount Sinai and consuming the offering. And then uh, what happened also, perhaps in fact uh, I should reverse the order here, the glory of God came here from Mount Sinai and the glory of God uh, sat upon the Ark of the Covenant and then out from the glory came fire and burned on the offering here. And then after that, Aaron was to take the fire from this altar and he was to light the lamps here. 
So there was supernatural glory, supernatural fire on the sacrifice and the lighting of the lamps with golden candlestick here. And then when Moses went into the uh, most holy place, Numbers chapter 7 verse 89 I think it is, we're told that he heard the voice of God speaking to him off the mercy seat from between the cherubim. So all that was at the dedication of the tabernacle and there was very similar things happening at the dedication of the temple. Well now here we're coming to the New Testament tabernacle, the New Testament temple, the church, which is now God's temple. So all these things are fulfilled here. So what I believe happened when the rushing mighty wind came, that was God descending by the power of the Holy Spirit and the fire uh, I believe that was the Shekinah glory that happened here and this is how I would understand this that the Shekinah glory, the rushing mighty wind as the Holy Spirit came rushing from heaven the sound of the rushing mighty wind and came in as like a ball of fire into the upper room and then it broke up into cloven tongues of fire and sat on each of them. The Holy Spirit sat on the men as well as the women. How many think it's good for the Holy Ghost to sit on the men? and the women. Everybody said amen. Alright, so I believe rushing uh, Shekinah glory came and uh, so it was the fulfillment of a number of things and then as the fire came on them, they were presenting themselves a living sacrifice. So I see the fire fulfilling this uh, the, uh, as, the, uh, as the disciples are presenting themselves a living sacrifice now, uh, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, because God was no longer interested in animal sacrifices. I see that this was the Shekinah glory, the fire coming here, and then I see it also as the lighting of the lamps, because all of these seven lamps and the golden candlestick uh, they had tongues of fire on them. So here they were lighting their lamps. We used to sing the old chorus back in the dark ages, give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. And, uh, and uh, having, having the flame of the Holy Spirit on the lamp, uh, being uh, like the foolish virgins, wise virgins, lack of oil, and their lamps were going out, or the wise virgins had oil with their lamps. So it's the lighting of the lamps. So I see all this significance, just as in Christ, now it's fulfilled in the church. And then I see that this supernatural voice is fulfilled in the tongues of fire. How many think that's, that's great? Because God had all these things, and I said they all had to be fulfilled in Christ, now they all have to be fulfilled in the church. So... Here we have the new covenant sacrifices, the new covenant lampstand, the new covenant temple, and the new covenant ark of the Lord. So the old material thing was finished with, and now all this was to be in the New Testament uh, temple, the church. So I believe that's the first picture that we have here. Now, the one that we want to pick up tonight is uh, number three here, the, the matter of speaking in tongues and try and answer some of our questions that... Uh, we've raised at the beginning of our session tonight. So what I'd like you to do, and uh, realizing a number of you are new in the church and uh, on some of these areas, I want, I want you to look with me at some incidents in the Old Testament, and then we want to look at some things in the New Testament on this whole matter of tongues and interpretation. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Uh, is speaking tongues the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit or what? Okay, um, I'm just going to have to condense things as always. This is life around here. All right, I want you to go back first of all to the book of Genesis. So just bear with me as I work through our session tonight and uh, just touch on just, just the high spots of a number of things here 
because, uh, you know, the Bible is so inexhaustible. How many know that the Bible will exhaust you before you exhaust it? All right, Genesis chapter 11, Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. Now, in Genesis chapter 11, we're told the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. In fact, uh, Old King James Margin has uh, the whole earth was of one lip. Uh, that sort of amused me. How many have ever used that expression? He's been giving me lip. Okay, so that sort of struck me. The whole earth was of one lip. They were all giving lip and one speech and they come from the east and they find the plain of the land of Shinar and they said okay let's make brick and burn them thoroughly and they had brick for stone and slime had they for more. A very interesting Babylon was built out of slime uh, naturally and spiritually. So they said uh, go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach in heaven let us make us a name and so says all of us Hmm. Yeah, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. So now the Lord comes to see the city and the tower, and he said, the people is one, they all have one language. Now, now we note here from Adam through to the Tower of Babel here, through to Noah and his sons, uh, there, there is only one language. Now, we don't know what the language of Adam was and the language of the patriarchs, but they were all of one speech. So the end result here is, that God said in verse 7, go to let us go down. So they're talking about us, and God in the Godhead says, well, let us go down and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. And so uh, the place was called Babel because of confusion. Uh, that must have been quite a sight, you know, as all these people are gathered here, uh, how many ever they were, and they're uh, uh, building the Tower of Babel, and all of a sudden the guy says, hand me a brick, and he starts speaking in tongues at him, and says, I beg your pardon, what would you say? And, uh, you know, think, oh, he's gone loco. And then as they all began to speak in other tongues, and hear tongues as a sign of judgment, sign of confusion, uh, it must have been quite interesting as they were all sorting themselves out, um, you know, running over here and speaking. You understand me? No. Run over here. You understand me? Yep, 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 yep. You know, as they all sorted themselves out in their tongues. Because you see, in the previous chapter it says, these are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations and their nations, and by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. So we have the origin of tongues. So uh, briefly here, Genesis chapter 10. These are, these are the main points I want uh, Genesis 10 and 11 actually. We have the origin of nations. We have the origin of tongues. Okay, we have one speech up to this time, but now we have the origin of nations and tongues. So Genesis chapter 11. And notice here, this was a sign of judgment. Tongues here were a sign of judgment. And... Uh, it was actually confusion. God confounded the language. God said, confound them. <laughs> it's the only time you can say that and get away with it. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so uh, sign, the nation's origin of nation, origin of tongues, sign of judgment here and confusion.
All right, now, let's go to Deuteronomy, well, I'll just uh, say this here, Deuteronomy chapter 4 and 5. Uh, God now picks out from the nations, the nation of Israel, so just put down the chapter, we just haven't got time to, uh, I don't want to spend any more time on this than we have. But Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 4 and 5, God now chooses the nation of Israel and he takes a nation from the nations, so here we have uh, the chosen nation here, he takes a nation from the nations for his purposes. Uh, to give them the scriptures, give them the uh, order of worship, the whole plan of redemption in flannel graph form uh, or videotape or something like in the tabernacle, all that was like a, a video, a flannel graph uh, Sunday school demonstration to them of redemptive truths all in the language of the symbol. That's what God uh, chose them for, so chosen nation. But you'll find in this chapter that when God brought Israel to to the uh, Mount Sinai that he originally gave them the nation, the whole nation, the Ten Commandments and spoke to the nation in the Hebrew tongue. So how many know that God knows Hebrew? Okay, so he spoke in the Hebrew tongue and that they, listen to this, they were their own interpreters. They understood, but they were so scared of hearing God speaking in their own language their own tongue, they said to Moses, tell God to stop talking and uh, you go and talk to God and let God talk to you. You can handle it and then you tell us what God says. And so they, they really uh, admitted their need for a mediator. And so God stopped talking in the Hebrew tongue and they were their own interpreters. All right, then we come to the next... And this is Old Testament because people say, oh, well, there's nothing in the Old Testament. Yes, it is. Then just put down for your notes here, Numbers chapter 22. And uh, on, uh, we've had occasion to refer to this uh, story before. But Numbers chapter 22 and uh, verses 28 to 30. So Numbers 22 verses 28 to 30. And also you can put down Jude 11. This is in the New Testament. How many remember the story there? Now, the story here is that uh, Balaam the prophet is out of the will of God and so uh, he gets on his donkey because he's after money and so as he's going along there, out of the will of God because God said, don't go down there and don't curse the nation of Israel. I'll bless them, don't you curse them. Well, he disobeys because Balak offers him some money and so he gets on his donkey there and as the uh, donkey's going down there, the angel of the Lord uh, stood in Balaam's way uh, to, to stop him. Well, the, the Lord opened the donkey's eyes and the donkey saw the angel with the drawn sword and moved out the way and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall to try and give him the message that his walk was out of the will of God. And so Balaam started to talk to the donkey, say, you stupid old mutt, if I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you. Well, all of a sudden, the donkey got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues and, and you ladies should be really encouraged with this do you know what this donkey was? it was a she-ass it was a woman donkey now how many think God does have a sense of humour? I think that was I think the angels were just splitting their sides laughing on, on this one in heaven you know as they looked down and here's this woman donkey rebuking a man prophet now don't you go and start a church on this okay <laughs> the donkey's dead okay alright so here's this she ass speaking in tongues so if God could do that for a woman donkey what can he do for you? 
Okay, I've never been to linguistic school, so here this woman donkey speaking in tongues and said, listen here, buddy. Well, maybe they didn't call him buddy. They say, listen here, buddy. Uh, you're supposed to be the seer, but I'm seeing what you should see. I see an angel over there with a drawn sword, and he would have killed you if it hadn't been. You want to thank me that I crushed your foot because you're out the will of God. I'd like to have had that on tape recorder. How many think that would be a good Walt Disney one? A woman donkey speaking to a man prophet and, uh, and rebuking the madness of the prophet. And so uh, the hearer, now listen to this here, the, 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 the she-ass or the donkey was the speaker in tongues and didn't understand the language it was speaking, but the hearer was his own interpreter. Hearer was his own interpreter. Balaam understood because he's talking back to the donkey and I certainly would like to have heard what he said. <laughs> I think the angels really enjoyed that. So, uh, you know, his tongue's an interpretation here. Now, we know every donkey didn't speak in tongue, but at least that one did. All right, now, let's turn over to Isaiah chapter 28, because in the, in the tongues chapter that I've just read to you from Corinthians, Paul is quoting from Isaiah. And see, one of the, uh, the things in my mind that a lot of expositors, expositors do not do uh, is they, don't, they do not look at the whole Bible and see what does the Bible say about these things. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah 28. And pick up in, uh, in verse 9. Isaiah 28 verse 9. You can just put your notes down there, verses uh, 9 through to 13. And the prophet is asking a couple of questions here. Whom shall he teach knowledge? Question. And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Question. Answer is, I believe, them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. And it's interesting that Paul is writing to the Pentecostal Corinthian church and he said, I speak to you as babes. You're not able to handle uh, meat. I have to give you milk. So whom shall he teach knowledge? Whom shall he make to stand, understand doctrine? For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing yet they would not hear. And then he uh, repeats it again, but the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Now, I know that we use this scripture a lot, you know, that when we're teaching and say, okay, uh, in our teaching ministry and preaching ministry must be precept upon precept, line upon line, and so a little here and a little there. Uh, we use that in principle, but the, the whole thing here is that the uh, prophet Isaiah is saying, okay, that Israel, instead of coming up to be a mature nation, a bunch of babes, and uh, the word of the Lord has to be a da-da-da-da-da-da-da, uh, like baby talk. That's, that's what the whole thing is here. Stammering lips and another tongue. So when Paul quotes that from here, he actually is discouraging so much speaking in tongues in the church without interpretation. So he's quoting from that. So that's important here. And you see... When we go into the historical context of what we've got here, uh, and I haven't got time to prove this, you just have to uh, at least look at it. The, the Assyrian tongue, the house of Israel was going into Assyrian captivity, and as they heard the Assyrian tongue, it was stammering lips in another tongue 
that God was speaking to this people, Israel, through the Assyrian time, but they heard it, and it was to them a lot of gibberish, baby talk, and they didn't understand it. Yet God said, I'm going to speak to you through another tongue, the Assyrian tongue, but, but, but they didn't hear it, and so they went backward and were snared and taken into captivity. So Assyrian tongue to Israel. Israel, in this case, heard the tongue, and they couldn't interpret. There was no interpretation. They just didn't understand and thought the Assyrian tongue is just gibberish, baby talk, idiotic stuff. And yet they didn't hear that God was speaking to them through it. All right, now the last one in the Old Testament, and uh, I trust you start to pick up my line of thought here. Back here, tongues were a sign of judgment, confusion. People didn't understand themselves. They had to sort them out into their particular denominations. I mean, particular nations, sorry. Ah, I nearly said demon nations, I didn't though. Anyway, but here God speaks in the Hebrew tongue and they were their own interpreters. Here a donkey speaks in tongue and the Hebrew was his own interpreter. But here they, the Assyrians speak in a tongue and Israel doesn't understand. They don't get any interpretation, just confusion, captivity. Now, when we come to Daniel chapter 5, remember that God wrote by his hand on the walls of Babylon. Interesting here, origin of Babylon, fall of Babylon, the Old Testament. Tongues of judgment, sign of confusion, and here God writes in an unknown tongue on the wall. What does God do? He brings in the Hebrew boy, or the Hebrew young man, Daniel. And Daniel receives, and we'll be picking this up on Sunday about the three men, those these three men stand before me. Daniel receives the interpretation of this tongue that's on the wall. So we have an unknown tongue, but the unknown tongue is written here, but it has to have an interpretation. And so uh, uh, Daniel gives the interpretation. And uh, as, as someone has said when they asked a little boy to read that, he didn't know how to handle how to handle it. And so he starts reading, uh, this is the writing that was written, meeny, meeny, tickle, you fasten. And he said, you meeny, meeny, you're tickling the parson. Uh, that's, that's about all he could handle. Okay, so here it was a sign of judgment because while Daniel was interpreting the unknown tongue here on the wall, the uh, Medo-Persian Empire, the soldiers had diverted the riverbed of the river Euphrates, they came up and found the gates left open, the only night in the history of Babylon, and that night Belshazzar was slain. But it was God caused the fall of Babylon in connection with tongues and interpretation. That's the thing. So keep that in mind, okay? All right, now, so we have shadows of this in the Old Testament. Now let's go to the New Testament, and we'll work through some scriptures here. So, all the New Testament. In fact, all the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit that are mentioned here in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, they are all found in the Old Testament, contrary to a lot of teaching that they're not. They are all there. Find me one gift of the Spirit that's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 that is not in the Old Testament. They're all there. And we picked out just tongues interpretation, uh, tongues without interpretation, tongues with interpretation. And so Paul, I think Paul as a Pharisee knew his Bible. How many think that's right? Okay, now, first reference we have here is Mark 16 and uh, verses 15 to 20, if you're taking down the references. Mark 16, verses 15 to 20. And Jesus said, Among nine 
shells there. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. He doesn't say believers shall follow signs, but he says these signs shall follow them that believe. And one of the signs is they would speak with new tongues. Now I know that uh, there are certain uh, uh, expositors who don't like tongues that say, well, Mark 16 is not in the original. I like what the Maori brother said in New Zealand. He said, well, it's in my original. And usually the ones who say it's not in the original is because they don't want to accept speaking tongues. Now, we do admit this by a lot of researchers that a number of manuscripts do not have Mark 16. But some do. So my point on this is, and these are things that may help you if you're talking to people who are really interested. So, well, okay, throw away Mark 16. Just forget it exists. Nearly everything that's listed in Mark 16 is found in the book of Acts. So, throw away Mark. We'll, we'll, we'll give in on that and say, okay, it's not in all the manuscripts. It's in some, but not all. So, we'll toss it out. Well, in the book of Acts, they spoke in tongues. In the book of Acts, they took up serpents on one occasion. In the book of Acts, they preached the gospel. In the book of Acts, they baptized believers. In the book of Acts, uh, they laid hands on the sick. All the things that are mentioned here, except drinking any deadly thing, are all mentioned in the book of Acts. So I say, okay, throw that away if, if, if you're an unbelieving believer. Will you accept the book of Acts? And generally, they don't. So they use this by saying, well, it's not in all the earliest manuscripts. They say, okay, I realize that. But will you accept the book of Acts? It's just what I call unbelieving unbelievers. I mean, you know, believe, unbelieving believers on the ground of unbelief. So I tell them, while, I, while you're fighting it, I'm enjoying it. So I'm happy with what Jesus said there. These signs shall follow them that believe. Uh, they shall speak with new tongues. And here, it was going to be a sign of blessing. Because Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, to all nations. So where the thing began in confusion, now it's going to become a sign of blessing. Where well, it was a sign of judgment and confusion. Now, now in Acts chapter 2, let's just go through the book of Acts, and if you want to put dates down here, approximate dates, this is AD 33 roughly. So on the day of Pentecost, 120 disciples, men and women, spoke in tongues. Glad it wasn't just the men. And I'm glad it just wasn't the women. The Holy Ghost didn't seem to worry about male or female there. Because in Christ there's neither male nor female. So the Holy Ghost didn't seem to know the difference between a man and a woman. Don't you feel encouraged? Because you see, in the Old Testament, I mean it was pretty tough on women in the Old Testament. No woman could be a priest in the Old Testament. So all this, all this poppycock about ordaining women to priesthood, what are they talking about? In the New Testament, all believers are priests. You don't have to be ordained. All men and women can be priests in the New Testament and worship the Lord. Aren't you glad for that? Uh, even women can be born again in the New Testament. Isn't that wonderful? Even women can speak in tongues. Okay, so 120 spoke in tongues. Now, what, what was the sign on this day here? Now, remember the disciples, it was probably all new to them, uh, whether they remember that Jesus said, you'll speak in tongues, no, I don't know. But, you know, I don't think they knew what to expect when the Holy Spirit would come on them. But they all spoke with tongues. Now, we have the sign here. It was a sign to them and the evidence to them. See, and I say to people, look, if you could get rid of all the books of man 
and just stick to the book of Acts and say what was the evidence in the book of Acts of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit you would come up with this the sign of speaking in tongues so the sign of them speaking in tongues and in this case the hearers okay were their own interpreters just like back here the hearers they said how hear we so there was a miracle of speech I don't believe it was a miracle of hearing some tried to get rid of this and say oh it was a miracle of hearing they weren't really speaking in tongues no they said how hear we every man speak in his own tongue so the evidence to the 120 was uh, speaking tongues the evidence of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit alright Acts chapter 8 I'd like you to look at this now time just keeps moving so fast Acts chapter 8 very interesting this is the next uh, incident of uh, people receiving the Holy Spirit but speaking in tongues is not mentioned but listen to some things that really imply this so Acts chapter 8 I have to just tell the story briefly Philip has been down to Samaria and preached the gospel and unclean spirits have been cast out people that were uh, sick of the palsy and anybody that had the palsy would be sick of it uh, they were healed those that were lame were healed there's great joy in the city and even Simon the sorcerer uh, when he saw this he was baptized now uh, we find in verse 14 the apostles up at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God I've underlined this in my Bible Samaria had received the word of God they sent Peter and John and in verse 15 they prayed for them when they come down from them they prayed for them notice the prayer again here that they might receive the Holy Spirit now they received the word under Philip but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit what we're talking about tonight uh, under Philip so receive the word, receive the spirit that's what I've underlined for as yet he was fallen upon none of them only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus so they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit and when Simon saw now there's two things I want you to pick up here when Simon saw now what did he saw? what did he see? he saw something now you see you can get hold of people and you know just lay hands lay empty hands on empty heads how many have had confirmation and know that that you can lay empty hands on empty heads and you just go bald but, but he saw something uh, and, and, and listen to the Greek thought in the word saw here uh, I can't pronounce the Greek word it's a primary verb and it means to look closely at to perceive so when he looked closely at and perceived what did he see? that the Holy, that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying of the hands he said he offered the money he said hey give me this now you'll notice he didn't ask Philip for the power that Philip had and Philip had, you know, uh, healed the lame, cast out devils, and everything like that. Unclean spirits have been cast out. But there was something distinct here. Then the, the uh, Strong's point you to another word, optimi, which is used in certain tenses, and it says, to gaze with wide open eyes, as at something remarkable. So here's the combination here. When he saw, when he looked and observed, and gazed with wide open eyes and saw that the Holy Spirit was given now if there was no visible or audible evidence and all it was was our traditional uh, laying in, uh, on of empty hands on empty heads and said receive the Holy Spirit but nothing happens then he wouldn't want that because he didn't see nor hear anything 
And listen to this. This adds another point here. I'm saying this for those who say, well, it doesn't say they spoke in tongues and acts. Well, just let's get the context here. Go down to verse... Is that our time? Go down to verse... Uh, at verse uh, 20. Alright, so he says, Give me this power that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Thy money perish with thee, because you have thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter. Once you listen to this word matter, do you know what the word matter there is? It's literally the logos, something said. It's an utterance. So when he saw that through the laying of hands, Holy Spirit was given. He said, oh, give me this power. He didn't want the power that Philip the Evangelist had, but something distinctive, unique happened here. He said, give me this power. And Peter said, look, you've got neither, neither part nor lot in this utterance. And I believe that was the utterance there. So you've got to think of those words, saw and utterance there. Okay? Um, <laughs> is that our time? Looks like, I don't know. Okay, let me just say this and I'll just have to pick up just a, a few mi a minutes of next week's session here. Acts chapter 9 is the next case of somebody receiving the Holy Spirit. And tongues again is not mentioned there, but this is the Apostle Paul. And he laid hands upon him that he might receive the Spirit. But how many know, okay, whether we have silence there or not, Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. All right, Paul is the... In fact, all the epistles were written by tongue talkers. Uh, funny how they like their writings but not their tongues and then the next case is Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11 come back next session for this exciting episode our time is up I thought I would finish this okay hope you've enjoyed this so far everybody said amen alright let's all stand Bring, on, bring along your sheets of paper next week and we'll pick up here for a few moments here. Father, thank you once again for your wonderful word. Pray that you'll write it deep upon our hearts, Father. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that the Holy Spirit was given in a time of prayer and seeking and waiting upon you and emptying out of our hearts and self-abasement, Lord, as Jesus Christ became magnified. Help us, Lord, to have the attitude of John that we must decrease and you must increase. May you increase in all of our lives, Father, day by day, as we seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless your word to our hearts, Father, as we separate until we gather again in your name. We ask it in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said amen. amen. God bless you. Shake hands with each other. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.